Welcome to the Christian Life Coach Collective. I'm your host and coach, Lauren Malone, and I'm here to help you become the hero of your own story and learn to be a guide to others. Whether you're a life coach in any niche or you want to become one, or you're just listening in so you can self-coach to lead your own life well, this podcast is here to serve you. I'm super excited to walk with you into your calling and help you create a wonderful legacy for your life. So let's jump in to today's episode. Hey friends, in the last episode, I talked about focusing on your money mindset as one of the three things I think are really important to give attention to in a kingdom led business. And within that topic, I discussed tithing and I would love to spend a little more time on the topic today. So to be clear, what I said in episode 50 is that I believe in tithing and I encourage you to tithe, not just personally, but from your business and your ministry. While I don't subscribe to the old doctrine of tithe before you leave church today or something's going to fall out of the sky and hit you in the head in the parking lot, (laughs) I do believe that tithing is a spiritual practice and command from the word of God. I believe that the fear instilled by some theologies over the decades and centuries and maybe millennia (laughs) has harmed believers and unbelievers alike, but what I want to help you get free from is the mindset of fear. Not how the world around you might use fear to get what they want, or, um, but how can, how can you manage your thought life and your belief system so that you are the powerful character in this story? Not the people who taught you to fear lack and suffering. They don't get to hold the pencil. This is your story, right? You and God are co-authoring your story. So the enemy and other people and limiting beliefs and lies, they don't get to have the pencil taking it back. So in episode 50, I stated that my own experience in the church over the past 25 years, as well as the first 25 years, um, like my uh, family culture that I grew up in, they both kind of left an imprint of fear around money in so many ways that eventually I realized I needed freedom from all that. And I don't think everybody teaches from the pulpit that there's going to be hardship and pain in your life if you don't tithe. And I know a lot of churches have grown into healthy practices around inviting people to give without making it feel forced or condemning. But some of us have had bad experiences and we have to process through and out of it, right? So I want to address our personal mindset and concepts around money in the church and in our families how it has a lot to do with where we find ourselves today. And in the Old Testament, when tithing was introduced, it referred mainly to agriculture, which is, it was like the, the economic engine of the day. It's not like they had cash and they would just, everything was trading money for services, money for products like we do today. And their tithing was given as a way to serve God and to give him thanks Tithe is a word that just comes from the old English root word, meaning one-tenth. And that's the most common English translation for the Hebrew word, which causes us to commonly think of tithe as being 10% of what we get paid in money each week or bi-weekly, etc. Biblically speaking, there were three tithes, two each year, and then a third every third year. And it wasn't money being tithed. It was the first fruits of their agriculture and such. And then, you know, you had Moses who was given the law that instituted the system of tithing in Deuteronomy. And then 
Also, Israel was rebuked for failing to tithe. So there's a whole lot, you know, the Bible mentions money over 800 times, over 800 times. And um, obviously, you know, there's a lot of teachings in the Bible, Old Testament and New, that are really important to pay attention to. So in the last episode, when I said I don't look at tithe as a tenth, it's because I um, I see the other scriptures and I pull them together and I see a tithe as a baseline of my first fruits, meaning that 10% might be the least we give, but it is not a static number. So if there's a need at church and I'm being asked to give 5% more than that 10%, that's still my tithe. I don't see it as a 10% was my tithe and that extra, extra five was an offering. I don't really see it that way. Um, it's okay if you do. I'm just saying my perspective is that I see tithing as giving first fruits of what God provides for us and then sowing it as a measure of partnering with God in his provision for others. And that means that in giving to a local church, my tithe is directly meeting the needs there. I'm meeting the needs of other people and it's helping to pay their bills. It's helping to pay salaries. And I love that. It also means that when Holy Spirit leads us to give somewhere else, it's important we follow him in it. And Matthew 23, 23 says, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. So fun, right? Jesus is like being somebody different with these guys than he was with everybody else. He said, you give a tenth of your spices, the mint, the dill, the cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. So Jesus is saying that our concerns about the law of tithing can get misplaced. And yet tithing is still something we shouldn't neglect, even as we pursue other spiritual matters. He's telling them like, your big deal about like, well, I gave 10% of the mint and the dill that my wife collected, you know, he's saying, well, really, does that matter that much? Because you're not giving any attention to justice, mercy, and faithfulness. So how is this misplaced? What's out of order? Where's the priority um, police, you know? <laughs> Imagine if Jesus told you that you're concerned for giving specifically 10% of your paycheck it for out of a religious duty was actually an issue in your life because you don't give any attention to justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Ouch. I don't want that, you know? And then Colossians 9, 6, 7, 6 and 7 says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. You see, God's sufficiency is greater than we can imagine. And when we tithe, we are thanking him. We are giving him thanks for his sufficiency. And we're showing that we trust in his sufficiency for our lives and businesses and ministries, that we don't depend on ourselves, but rather we put our trust on him, in him. And for me, being held back by my orphan mindset of what if I don't have enough? It really came from my past. It hindered me in my past. And because I would get so afraid of letting go of the little I had, because the little was a scary, having just a little was a scary place to be. So fear was cycling. And that mindset of fear around giving made me a very less than cheerful giver, 
right? And I would give because my husband said we had to, but I'd be reluctant. And that reluctancy would turn into bitterness. Until one day, I saw that I could simply change my mind about the issue and focus my mind and set my eyes on the promises and goodness of God. And you know what tithing does at the deepest level? This is what I think. It helps us have a way to, um, a tangible way to show that money doesn't have our heart's attention and affection. God does. It keeps us from holding so tightly to something that can really hinder and harm us, which is the love of money. When we love money, we can't fully love God. Tithing helps us keep our eyes focused on him. And I kind of see it like fasting to some degree, not just fasting food, but fasting anything that could have a grip on me that could be an idol in my life. Maybe it's food, but maybe it's apathy or social media or negativity. Again, that's something you have to follow the Holy Spirit about when you're fasting. But Matthew 6, 21 says that wherever your treasure is, your heart also will be. So if tithing and or fasting can move things out of the way that are hindrances to God's love in my life, I'm here for it. And Jesus talked about money in more than half of his parables. So I'm thinking he knows we can get stuck here, right? And he's giving us foresight about what could hold us back and make us stumble and what to do about it. And when we have a fear-based mindset around our money, we are reluctant and we feel under compulsion. And get this. Nobody actually has to be demanding that of you for you to feel that way. If you normally have fear around money, then when a pastor or somebody else takes up tithes and offerings, you will feel fear about letting go of what you're holding on to, not because of them, but because of what you believe and think on. This doesn't mean that they're hounding you with fear. It means that you believe something that's empowering fear in your life, specifically around money. So then what they say triggers that fear. But they're not doing that to you. And that's what I didn't know for a long time. I thought those people had more power than I did. And honestly, they did because I was giving it to them. I was letting what they said trigger my fear. And then that would lead me. And that happens like those triggers around fear happen without anybody else involved because it's your thought life. It's not theirs. It's not theirs to do to manage your thoughts and your beliefs and when I would hear from my family or my church things about money, those triggers that would bring fear up would reveal what was already in me, regardless of what they said, regardless of their true intention, regardless of um, their heart or their delivery. Now, if you fear letting go of money and obeying the Lord with it, the enemy is so happy to help you. He's so He's great in that, you know, he can, he's really happy to help you keep your fear and help it grow. He's going to hound you with thoughts of lack and abandonment and deprivation and scarcity. And he's going to challenge you and say like, did God really say you need to give that? Will he really show up and provide for you? If you give this away, you're going to have less than you need. And you really think God's going to meet your needs and fill the voids? He hasn't always done it in the past, has he? What about that time you tithed and then the heat got turned off because you couldn't pay the bill? Or when your kids needed new clothes for school and you could have used the money, but instead you tithed and your kids went without. What about those times? You know, the enemy is going to throw things at you all day long if you focus on listening to him. I implore you 
to turn instead, change your mind, and listen to what the Lord says. What's the word say to you about his promises and his provision? His eye on the sparrow, you're more precious than the lilies. He's, he's going to clothe you. He's going to feed you. But when your mind goes down the road and say, like, I have to provide and protect myself, then we really get misaligned, right? Philippians 4, 8 says to continually keep your thoughts on what is authentic and real, honorable, admirable, beautiful, respectful, pure, holy, merciful, kind. Fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of God and praise him always. If you do this, then there's no time to hear what the enemy is whispering into your ear, right? Because your, your eyes and your thoughts are on all of these things about God. So there's no time to hear the enemy. Decide to keep your mind on the Lord. And when you do that, when you focus your mind on God, your mindset will change. The fear of lack and scarcity, it will flee. And the fear of the greed and abuse of man will leave. The fear of being out of God's will, it goes away. You begin to move into the heart of Jesus and in a relationship rather than a religion. And instead of being afraid of being out of his will or that your giving is going to make you suffer or that your lack of giving will make you suffer, you will find that the great difference occurs in your heart. It's a shift that happens in your relationship with God. And when you partner with him and obey him, follow his leading and take joy in walking alongside him, you find that giving from what you have is something that brings you life and hope. So I do encourage you in your kingdom-led business or ministry to prayerfully tithe from your business account and ask the Lord where to sow. Let his leading be a blessing to you and chuck out all the fears and lies you've absorbed over the years. Regardless of what your family of origin believed and taught you, regardless of how people in church have treated you, um, regardless of what the enemy tells you to be afraid of, give because you love Jesus. Not to follow the law, but to follow the one who came to fulfill the law. And as for tithing from what comes into your business, I point you back to Colossians 6, 9. It says, if you sow sparingly, reap sparingly. If you sow generously, you reap generously. And I suggest you take this spiritual law with you, not just in finances, but in everything that you have, everything that comes into you and what you offer. Sow into others and and give more than people expect. And this promise will be fulfilled in your life and in your business and in all of your calling. The promise is more real and tangible and eternal than all the whispers from the enemy. You might not experience suffering if you don't give if that's if it's normal not giving but if you give and then stop giving you're going to see the contrast so i think of cutting out gluten nine years ago and when i cut it out i didn't really see a difference of cutting it out but two months after cutting out i had a slice of pizza (laughs) and i had no idea what i was going to experience i didn't know but immediately my body began to fall asleep right i had to still drive us home from the restaurant and I, my body shut down. My joints started aching. And I suddenly realized the difference between what had become normal in my life, which was living with pain in my knees and shoulders and the grogginess and brain fog on top of emotional problems, 
that I'd had for so long, it was normal. But I didn't fully see the difference of those things being gone from my life until I cut out gluten and added it back in. And that's when I became painfully aware of the contrast between the two. By the way, I'm not telling you to go gluten-free here. I'm just sharing my own experience. My body doesn't process gluten well, and I suffer from it, which means my family suffers. And so none of us want me eating gluten. Okay. So if I'm tithing, I might not see much happening because I'm experiencing what is normal. But if I choose to stop tithing, I see um, how the spiritual law of reaping and sowing in generosity comes to a halt in my life. It doesn't mean God is abandoning me or punishing me. I just simply stop operating in that spiritual law in a way that produces positive outcomes. And I find a lack, there's a lack of positive outcomes that I had grown accustomed to that had become normal in my life while I was tithing. Likewise, if I don't tithe and that's my normal, when I start tithing, I start seeing an increase in places I hadn't before and I I find favor and delight in areas I didn't really expect it. And in my business and in our ministry, there is just simply a difference when we don't tithe. And instead of harboring fear and holding on to money so I can protect and provide for myself or fearing God's wrath, I see that I love partnering with God in where my money goes. And even if I never saw another ounce of favor or increase because of tithing, I wouldn't give up what I love about just talking to my dad about where are we going to bless others and meet the needs of the world around me together. I truly love doing that with him. And I believe he loves doing it with me. He loves a cheerful giver. He, he likes to have this conversation with me about who do you, who's out there and what's the church need and what do the people need? And, you know, like he loves, I love those conversations with him. I love that, that aha moment when I go, Oh, yes. And it connects to my heart. And instead of holding on to the money or doing something out of duty, I actually hear from him and he and I move together in it. And it's almost like the money is in both of our hands as we give it. We're doing it together. I wouldn't give that up. I can trade all the rest of it. But that relationship and intimacy with my dad and making those decisions and, um, being benevolent together, that I won't give up. And when I gave reluctantly, I missed out on that part because I was holding on to the fear of money and the love of money and being my own savior. But seeing money as a way of being benevolent and generous because I partner with God, that has just set me free in my mindset around it all. It led me into trusting him more fully. And now I give, like, I love giving in ways that my family and my church in the past were just never able to teach me. And I can pass that on to my children and their children. God is good and benevolent towards us. He is merciful. He is just. And he knows we are in process. And he'll meet us right where we are. And then he loves walking alongside us. And it's a really beautiful place to be. So to recap, here are some things for you to think about. Does your money mindset still branch off of what your past or others have taught you or said? Or have you actually begun the work of aligning your money mindset with what the word says about money and trusting God through your obedience and um, your relationship with him? And do you feel fear around money? And do you recognize how that fear translates into love and idolatry 
of it in your life. And I encourage you to take this to the Lord and see what he says. And then trade it out for the truth if it's not, if it's a lie, you know. Um, Do you hear the Lord speaking to you about tithing from your business or ministry in addition to, you know, your personal accounts? Let him show you the way. Again, this is a don't do what I do. This, what, do what I say. And what I say is go to the Lord. (laughs) So you and me, we have different walks and we have to have permission for that. So I encourage you just, I will always tell you to go back to the Lord and see what he says to you. Remember also that condemnation and conviction are different. They might sound similar and your brain might interpret conviction as condemnation if you don't take your thoughts captive. Conviction will never counter the word of God, while condemnation will use the word of God against you. (laughs) They'll both use the word of God, (laughs) but one has an extra special step of using it against you instead of for you. So condemnation is going to tell you, yes, God says to tithe. And it will also add that you're a failure and you should be ashamed if you don't, right? Well, the enemy knows the word. He knows it just, just as well, if not better, and will use partial truths in order to trick you. Think it'll make you think that since the first part of what he said is Bible, the second part must be true. So whatever you're hearing, take it captive. That means to confine the thought, actually become aware of the thought and the belief, confine it, challenge every bit of it against God's truth. Conviction will say things like, yes, the word tells us to tithe. And if we don't, God keeps knocking on our hearts. His mercies are new every morning. He desires to lead us to repentance through his loving kindness, and he continues to speak truth to us. So none of that counters the actual word of God. All of it is the word. And so you have to make sure that you're taking your thought captive when you hear things, because if it is telling you and feeding you lies like shame and worthlessness or um, breeding fear, then that's condemnation. And all you have to do is trade it in for the truth. Give it to the Lord. So if you find that what you hear from the Lord is different than how you've been operating, simply change your mind. That's what repentance is, a changing of your mind. And when you change your mind, you change your emotions, actions, and results. Then you leave a beautiful legacy of transformation and truth. All right. I hope this episode gives you clarity. And I'm genuinely praying that you hear the Lord that condemnation and fear have no place here and that you become aware of the truth so that you are able to be set free by it. And I encourage you to go seek out the Lord. Listen to the direction your father tells you to go. I have a friend who I bought a sign for and it says, go ask your father. And it is just such a beautiful, simple statement. I don't know if the sign maker meant for it to be father with a capital F, (laughs) but That's how I interpreted it. Go ask your father. He is so faithful to hear you and to speak to you and to to hold you while you're in your process. Until next time. Hey, thanks for listening. And I would love it if you could leave me a review wherever you listen to this podcast and tell me what you're loving about it. It helps other people who are looking for transformation and change and growth in their lives find me. And if you want to learn about becoming a coach with any of your superpowers, head over to sterlingandstonementoring.com and check out the greenhouse course. See you there.